Bet365 sponsors our podcast and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sport. Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, numbers of goals, and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Welcome to the 44th edition of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. My name is Michael Bailey. I'm the Athletic's Norwich City correspondent. Hope this finds you safe and well. On the way, Max's Barcelona surrealism, drawing Preston and my chat with Nazy. We will dissect all this and more with our guests this evening. Former Norwich City press officer, Ben Mouncer. Hello, Michael. And current Norwich City women's captain, Millie Davis. Hello. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, guys. Much appreciated. Uh, ben, how are you, first of all? I am good, thank you. Millie, your debut. Thank you so much for, for joining us. How are you? Yeah, no, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, really good. I yeah. figured we should um, we should start off talking about uh, Norwich City women because um, well, your season literally started at the weekend. Now, I yeah. can only imagine how nice it must have been to actually get back to playing some football. It was lovely. I was so excited. It's been such a long time since we've had a proper competitive match and it just felt so nice to be back. Well, exactly. I mean, it was a defeat on the opening weekend, but the, the good thing is there's lots of weekends still to come. So, and, and you know, what, what's, what's winning a game of football without losing every so often? That's fine. I mean, what are you guys hoping for this season? We're all really excited about this season. Um, we've obviously got Sean Howes, who's our new head coach, um, and he's doing a brilliant job so far. We've also um, added to the squad um, a few new players, um, which I think are really great signings. So yeah, it's exciting. The way we're playing, the philosophy we've um, adapted, like just over the last eight weeks or so, like through pre-season, it's really like showing through the wet, like through like our friendlies and obviously the game on Sunday, and it's it's gonna. It's going to get to a level where we want to be. Ben, it's a few years since you're at the club, but but not that long. But it always kind of, um, I didn't like the fact that the, the 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 women's team seemed to be quite separate from the rest of the football club, even even though it was carrying the name and the kit and everything. Ben, so there's obviously been great strides to sort of bring everything much closer together. The team's playing at the Nest from this season as well, which is really exciting. I want to go down and watch them play as well. So, sort of the way it should be, isn't it, Ben? Yeah, definitely. I mean. I wouldn't want to, um, you know, say something, say something I shouldn't. But when I was at the club, it really the, the the women's team wasn't part of our remit as a kind of communications department. And for whatever reason, it's great to see strides being made. I know um, there's probably still some work to do. I know a lot of um, clubs, in, in terms of the coverage and, and stuff you see on social media, they kind of give equal um, equal coverage to to the men's and women's team, and I think that's great. So yeah, um, really positive kind of signs, but still still some progress to be made as well I think absolutely well look um, have a great season we'll get out of the way now Millie um, and we'll be checking in with you during the course of it let's crack on shall we with our love this sting by the way headline act only one place to start this week 
apparently Barcelona do actually want Max Ahrens. Um, now, I feel like I might have underplayed this possibly in past weeks. Um, next, you'll be telling me that Bayern Munich really want him as well. But um, at this point, I should probably flag up my piece from the weekend, which was a letter I penned to Barcelona on The Athletic. Um, it comes with satire, which I'm not convinced was entirely absorbed by everyone, but that's okay and that happens. Um, to read that and much more, including the comments, I think you should, um, uh, you can um, uh, start with a subscription to The Athletic right now with one of our best ever deals, which is £1 per month for a limited time. Just have it, head over to theathletic.com forward slash UK subscribe. Ben, what were your thoughts when you first, I, I guess, um, heard that um, Barcelona were actually in trying to get Max Ahrens, um, but being, thought, kind of realised it was true? I thought you were asking me what my thoughts when I first read your um, satirical masterpiece, Michael. My last coming um, later, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it was, obviously, we, we know this kind of story, and well, it, it became apparent this story, this Barcelona's interest in Max Ahrens has been there for actually quite a while, but it was the timing of it on the morning of our first home match of the season <laughs> certainly wasn't ideal. We were talking just before we started recording. It's it's really an incredible kind of thing that a Norwich City player, a Norwich City Academy graduate, is wanted by not just Barcelona, but obviously serious links, as you said, Michael, with Bayern Munich and Paris Saint-Germain as well. Oh, I forgot about PSG. Yeah, good point. Yeah. So yeah, it's just... Um, Amazing, really. <laughs> I don't really know what to say. <laughs> I mean, um, to... to, to, to uh, Although of... fully, fully deserved as well for Max, because as Daniel Farker said after the game on Saturday, he's good enough, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's not surprised, says Daniel. No. Um, I mean, it, it, so to be clear, Barcelona have come in, they've, they've basically tried to take Max Aaron's on loan without an obligation to buy, but maybe an option. You know, if, you, you know, if I go and buy a Ferrari, I can see if I like it for a year and then I might buy it. Or I might hand it back and go, well, I've had my five thanks. Um, a bit like that, really, which is just not how football works, to be honest. And um, I thought merely Dan, Daniel Farker made a great point in terms of, because Max did really well on Saturday. I thought he played well. He handed himself well and actually came as close to scoring as he has done in quite a while too. And um, I can only imagine what it must have been like for him because I think the thing that annoyed Norwich was that this came out on the morning. So regardless of whether Max knew about it, which I would guess he probably did, Everyone else now knows about it. So what's everyone going to do? They're going to contact Max Aaron, send him messages, whatever. It must have been absolutely nuts for him in the build-up to that game. I can only imagine. I think he done well considering like it was on the morning of the first like home game season. So I think he done well for it not to distract him. As a player, that probably would have impacted you quite a lot to have that in the back of your mind because that is like a dream <laughs> come true really isn't it massive clubs asking for you so yeah I think like you say he done he done really well in not letting it distract him he was quite um, a pivotal player in the attacking movements I think on Saturday and he had a few chances as well. I've uh, sort of noticing how important Max Aarons is because he is kind of the defensive cover whilst also providing so much width in, in that side and sort of forward m momentum as well, which kind of allows everyone ahead of him to, to, to drift inside. And um, I suppose those sort of situations, really are the sort of, sort of occasions where if, if, if he was suddenly looking across going, oh God, I'm playing Preston and, um, um, you know, Barcelona have been on this. That's normally the sort of time when someone puts in a silly tackle or just sort of loses their discipline and ends up getting sent off, which, you know, you could probably see some players doing it, but Again, he sort of kept it together, didn't he? It wasn't anything, anything like that that came up. And as I said, he almost looked like this sort of, this leader on the pitch almost. 
Yeah, I agree. I think he's just, he's still so young and I think he's developed through Norwich and I think personally he might continue to do that for some time. So I don't know, I think that is just such a dream move, but what they're offering, it might not be what the club wants. So, yeah. I think the point you make, Michael, as well, you, you made a good point. I think the first two games of this season have, have really certainly brought it home to me how good a player Max Ahrens is and how important he is to us, especially at this level. I think last season, when obviously when we were on the back foot for in many games for a long long periods in games, you probably didn't see that side of um, things as much. But now we're back in the championship. It's straight away you can see um, the effect that Max Ahrens is going to have on matches. Just on the obviously, there's been a lot of discussion around Barcelona's kind of approach to this I would say that it was reported earlier in the summer that Norwich were open to potential kind of loan to transfer agreements but as you highlighted Michael that would be with with an obligation to buy I think this says a lot as well about Barcelona's current situation that they're trying to manufacture a deal like this what's interesting though is that they appear to be selling um, Nelson Semedo to Wolves who is a right back for a quite a chunky fee I'm led to believe so whether that will make them push through a deal for either Max or you know pursue Max more quickly or go, or go for the other option, which looks like it might be Serginio Dest from Ajax. Yes, I was going to exactly say that. I think that, that Dest has been linked with, with Bayern Munich as well. So I, I, I think that's possibly where the, um, the conversations are, are happening. But I, I would be surprised if Barcelona weren't signing Dest as soon as they've sold Tomato and and there you go basically. Um, but mm. even the, the link itself is is something. Um, I think yeah. I mean Norwich probably would consider loan situations with an obligation as a means of making something happen, and that being the only way you could make it happen. I don't think they're going to start you know touting for just loaning out their players you know in, yeah. if, if they don't have to. But um, so it's all part of the fun and Norwich have got an academy player or academy product of sorts, obviously coming through Luton as well until he was 16, who, you know, could end up at Barcelona, could have ended up at Barcelona just as a whole conversation. And I heard them talking about it on Sky, Sky News, uh, Sky Sports, not on Sky News, didn't get to that point, but Sky Sports. <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is, this is, you know, this is nuts really. But, um, but there we go. Um, I mean, it's, I've got written here what happens now, which is obviously, no idea because it's a transfer window and things can change so quickly. I don't think there's much else to report elsewhere, to be honest. Um, probably the good news, Millie, is that I think Norwich have got the game at Bournemouth on Sunday and then uh, Derby the following weekend and then it's the international break. So there's actually only two games now where the transfer window is going to affect it because then the window closes and, and Norwich are at <laughs> Rotherham, which will be a great, that'll be a great place to go if you've been hoping for a move for five months and all of a sudden you're playing at the New York stadium. What a place, by the way. So, I mean, that, that's beneficial for Norwich, isn't it? There are only two games really where this situation um, is sort of yeah. bubbling away. Yeah. I think it's the, is it the 5th of October it closes? Yeah, so yeah, just two games. Yeah, the international window, doesn't it? Clo- it closes on the October the 5th, which is two weeks tonight. Slams shut. Oh, um, is it t- on a Monday? Yeah, it's Monday, October oh. the 5th. And then... Whose idea was that? And then obviously we've got that really awkward kind of domestic window, which runs until Friday the 16th. And that's the, that's the kind of, that's the period I'm more worried about, really. Um, maybe not with Max Aaron's, but given the amount of goals that are being scored in the Premier League, I can imagine a few Premier League teams are, are looking to shore up some defences <laughs> and maybe 
um, Ben Godfrey might be on the wish lists of some um, Premier League clubs. Yeah, and in in, you know, in that in that window, once once the international window is closed and the domestic window remains open, and Premier League clubs are maybe panicking that they haven't um, fulfilled their recruitment quite as damn. I said um, they haven't fulfilled their recruitment quite as well as uh, they they maybe had wished. I mean, go looking into the championship for some players. It's a it's an interesting logic to suggest that secure shoring up yourself as a Premier League team should involve a Norwich defence. Um, that I'm just I'm just playing devil's ho, advocate. Ho, ho. Just playing devil's <laughs> advocate. Um, Are you saying, Michael, that Ben Godfrey is not at all on the radar of any Premier League teams? I'm absolutely not saying that. Absolutely <laughs> not. And I, in in truth, completely agree with you. <laughs> but that's part of the fun, isn't it? Hi there. I'm David Ornstein, host of the Athletics Ornstein and Chapman podcast. And I'm here to tell you about Manscaped, the expert in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped has just launched in the UK. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job, so you can be one of the first men in the country to experience Manscaped's life-changing products. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents, and the water-resistant technology also allows you to groom whilst in the shower. And we've got a special offer right now for all of you listening to this podcast. Get 20% off and free shipping by using the code EPL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code EPL20. Happy shaving. And you can also listen to me on the Ornstein and Chapman podcast. It's myself, Mark Chapman, and the Athletics stable of expert writers, bringing you unrivaled insight into the biggest stories in the game every single week. I tell you what, let's move us on uh, to uh, the things we are not going to discuss. Now, these are the things that have happened, and we obviously probably should acknowledge, but you know, how long do we really want to talk about them? Well, as long as we will talk about them, but we'll try not to talk about them. Um, so I've, I've got some of mine, but you guys, Ben and Millie, throw in what you've got as well. Um, obviously, first place to start, Norwich drew 2-2 with Preston on Saturday, uh, which Max Aarons, of course, played in. Um, Norwich came from behind twice at Millie, which is the first time they've done that in, in, uh, in the league since yeah. um, they drew with Sheffield Wednesday and Mario Vrancic scored that free kick. It must be a championship thing. Oh. <laughs> they've done it quite a lot, didn't they, when they got promoted, so... Um, yeah, from coming behind and scoring those late goals as well. So, yeah, it's a good thing. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very good thing. Um, Tim Apuki scored from open play for the first time since December. We're rattling off all these things as well. How much does he owe to Declan Rudd, Ben? Yeah, obviously the goal was a, a really bad error actually from Declan Rudd. That wasn't just a sort of soft one. It was a really poor piece of goalkeeping. But Declan Rudd did make two excellent saves from Puki also in the game. For me, obviously, we're not going to talk about this, but Puki's performance was the big positive for me Man from match. the game against Preston. He, I thought I thought he really looked like really sharp and could have had, I hate when people say he could have had like five goals because he had five shots, but he generally could have had a hat-trick in this game if, if it wasn't for two really good saves from Declan Rudd. But it's not just his kind of, the positions he was getting in, his general play and sharpness and I think it was the sharpness that he was lacking the back end of last season that got a lot of people worried but he seems to certainly have got that back and maybe it's the extra competition for places that has maybe brought that out of him who knows uh, Norwich had Temu Adamida and Jordan Hugill all on the pitch by the end mm. 
How about that? <laughs> Remarkable. Far, far, far ball is dead. Yeah. And um, two wingers for most of the game as well. <laughs> yeah, that as well. <laughs> Definitely going to be looking into that at some point. And uh, and yeah, and Preston almost won it as well, <laughs> probably. Um, but then so did Norwich, of course. Um, uh, so yeah, those three were all on the pitch at the, at the same time. The thing I liked about uh, Temu's goal was that Javi, uh, Javi Kintia's cross was first time. And I, I don't see enough first-time crosses, so I was very happy with that. It was a wonderful Well, game. we saw enough of them on Saturday. Like He crossed the ball every time he got it, basically. Like, I'd, I'd argue too much. Yeah, that's from the wrong <laughs> positions. But don't, no, don't hammer my point. Millie, did you see the penalty that yeah, Ollie Skip conceded? What were your thoughts? Yeah. I think it was quite soft. I'm not going to lie. There weren't much of a push if there was a push. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think... Was it... Who was it? Was it Davies that went... Yeah. Um, no relation. <laughs> um, no relation, yeah. <laughs> I think he weren't even going to get the ball anyway. It was a bit too high. So, I don't know. I just, yeah, I don't think it should have really been a penalty. But, yeah, I don't know. A- I don't know. There was this bit, if, if you watch the replay from sort of behind the other goal, yeah. what you'll see is that Ben Davies' feet go backwards. <laughs> so he sort of throws his feet backwards and yeah, just goes down. Yeah, it did look like he threw himself. It was a bit dramatic. I, was, I wasn't happy, I've got to be honest. Yeah, you were cross about that one, Michael. I was cross about that one. Because, I mean, because you want... everyone will look at the fact that Ollie had his hands up, but it, it, he didn't push him. He, you've just got someone approaching you. So I, in that position, it's like common. To, I don't even know... If, well, I don't know. VAR probably would have still given it. Who knows? <laughs> That's the thing. That's the thing. And Chris, Chris Gora made this point on commentary that actually VAR, I don't think, would have overturned that one. We, um, it's, it's, it's annoying how many sort of penalty incidents have been coming up in these, this first couple of games as well. We're not going to talk about that. Um, no. But me and, me and Chris Gorham had that very dis- discussion on the uh, touchline as we were waiting for Daniel Farker afterwards. And I was a bit okay. like, you can't give it. It's like when we have that conversation just after a game, there's still a little bit of like, it's not really a calm conversation. And I love Chris, but you know, he, he humored me, which was nice. The, the defending, I mean, are we a bit, I, again, I thought, I, I thought Millie, and this is your position, isn't it? You're a central midfielder. I, I thought Ollie, although he probably plays a little bit deeper than you maybe, um, but um, he had quite a difficult first half. And the, the first goal, no, the second goal, because the penalty was the first goal. The second goal, it, it kind of, I think it was um, Scott Sinclair just run off the back of, of him really, which... It's a bit of a shame because I, I love Ollie. I thought he had a great first game. It just seemed like yeah. he had a tricky one on Saturday. Like you say, playing a similar position. And I, it's like difficult. Like that position, I just find it so, I don't know. You're just constantly looking over your shoulder and just, do you know what I mean? There's so many factors that go into it. Like on Sunday, it was a bit similar for us. We conceded a goal and I genuinely think it was what from like a similar um, situation to um, skip. So it was almost like you feel like, oh, that was my fault kind of thing. (laughs) I like him as a player. I think he's really good. I also think we have to give some credit to the opposition in this situation. I do do think Preston were excellent on Saturday, like really good, especially in midfield. Alan Brown and especially Ryan Ledson really like were very, very good in central midfield. And it made me think actually in a game like that where the opposition is putting quite a high press and quite an intense press in the middle of the pitch, whether it had been nice to have somebody like Tom Tribal or dare I say Moritz Leitner in that midfield, because I know, I know they're at the picture, Michael, you can raise your eyebrows, but a midfielder who is slightly more, yes, I'm going to put this better on the ball than Kenny McLean or Ollie Skip. 
we may have been able to rotate possession a bit better and worked our way through that press and had more control of the game. It's just a, a point. Like, it's um, it's fascinating how Norwich are playing completely different football. <laughs> um, yeah. Really, when you when you really really break it down, um, I had a look in the program from Saturday. I got a match day program which I didn't get um, in Project Restart last season. Um, obviously, they have the players and their their sponsors at the back because. No, no, Tom. No, no, Mo. Yeah, I know they're out of the picture, no, but um, yeah, no. but you're right. Yeah, I, I agree, and it's interesting how Norwich are trying to do it without that metronomic possession that that just pulls everyone this way and that way. But um, hey, let's roll with it. You know, we'll, we'll soon <laughs> criticise it if it goes wrong, and we'll soon enjoy it if it's just working a treat. Kieran Dow left this. Not we should probably talk about it, but we're not going to because we're going to rattle through these. But uh, he went down. Well, it was pretty bad tackle i thought i know ben davies got the ball but he did go through the through the player so ultimately that is it's sort of endangering them to an to an effect and referee didn't even give a free kick for it i know he left on in a protective boot with crutches and i know that that can be really precautionary and it can also be really bad if you were to ask me i think it is erring on the side of bad i think he's going to be out for a number of weeks i don't think they know exactly yet but i I don't think we're going to see him for for several games i would suggest um and we'll see and hopefully it's not as bad as something like three months but we'll keep our fingers crossed but we're not going to talk about that because it's too depressing fans back now um we had a thousand i never knew how many i didn't think a thousand fans really would make as much noise as they did on saturday but it was remarkable and it made such a different i mean basically anything is better than nothing that was what i learned on saturday because the games up until that point with no fans in you sort of just got used to them but it was so nice having a thousand people inside the stadium as part of the EFL's pilot. Yeah, no, I bet it was lovely. But isn't wasn't wasn't Saturday the first point Norwich have got at home since they played Leicester? Yes. Yeah, so that must mean the fans. <laughs> <laughs> the fans help. We're definitely no, going to pin it on them. <laughs> but yeah, I I think obviously. When you get a crowd behind you, even like you say, a thousand people, like a thousand fans, that's still better than nothing. Well, with us, it's almost as though you've got to not show off at all. I don't mean it like that, but you've got to play and show that you want to play and all this. And I think having fans there is brilliant. Like when we played Ipswich, that's when we had the most fans that I don't, I can't remember how many there were, but that's the most we've ever had. And <laughs> albeit the result, I enjoy playing that game because I love hearing the fans and the atmosphere around it, and it was brilliant. So yeah, it's so Michael. Obviously, you you're one of the lucky few. Yeah, um, to be in the ground. I was watching on iFollow, and actually, it was, it was quite an emotional moment when you heard on the ball city at the start of the game, like for the first time in a long time. What was it like in the ground? Was was, did, was there that kind of sense of this is actually great? Yeah, I, I, I probably not. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a grisly old hack, so clearly it wasn't going to get emotional. But um, I thought, um, and it did kind of make, when that, when that happened, I was like, well, I kind of miss it being full because you then sort of like, you, you know, this place was incredible when it was full and it's, it's only a 27,000 seat stadium. So that, that oh, there's almost become an alien memory of what that was actually like because it's so long since this happened. But as I said, it, I, I was really, I was proud of the 1,000 people there who kind of took it upon themselves to make a lot of noise. I think a couple of fans came out thinking, oh, we were a bit quiet. But, but actually, you know, you could have got 1,000 people there who never normally sing at a football match and don't really want to. But they did kind of take it 
on board and they got really involved in the game. They're all still on one side. So they are still the focal point for everyone. And, um, and there was some great, yeah, some great noise. And, and I think there was one free kick early on where Anel Hernandez basically sort of got wrestled to the floor and everyone's up in their arms sort of baying for this free kick. And I was like, yes, there we go. Look at the crowd of the crowd have won a free kick for the first time in six months. It's amazing. And, and the rules for the goals as well. And I think like Millie was saying, you can, there's like an energy that players feed off. And I think Timmy Pookie said it before the game, which I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they've said it a lot when there haven't been fans, but it was just like, you know, I, I'm, I'm struggling to play when there aren't fans. I need that energy off people. It's just to sort of show what you can do almost, I suppose. And um, so that clearly, I think that did make a, make a difference. And even seeing, uh, even after the game, like the players walk over and, and thank the fans and seeing Daniel Farker do his routine, his post-match routine with the fans to obviously a much quieter degree. But um, it was just nice. It, I guess it's the familiarity of what football used to be like, sort of creeping back in. But it actually, interestingly, I bumped into Norwich's ticket office manager in the village today and had a quick chat with him. Oh. And while, while he said um, everything went really well logistically on Saturday, things, things going forward now are just, you know, it, it's so up in the air with, with the, the rise in, in COVID cases and the general uncertainty around everything again. Yes, um, which everything I did on the weekend was sort of like, well, this is great, but what what is this in terms of... And I think yeah. even on last week's podcast, we were like, well, there won't be any fans back in the ground because at that point, um, cases were on the rise and the EFL hadn't confirmed their pilots. And it was like, this yeah. isn't going to happen. And then I think by the Wednesday, the EFL have, have confirmed it. We don't know what it's going to be like for the Derby game, which is, of course, in a fortnight, isn't it? Fortnight's time. Under. Yeah, but we're not going to talk about this anyway. But so. we're not going to talk about that. We've talked a long time about something. We're not going to talk about this is true. Yeah. Um, uh, Sam McCallum has joined Coventry on loan for the season. There is a recall in January. I think a few fans are a little bit worried that there are now no left backs, but probably need to be aware that there are. Javi Gantia is obviously first choice. Um, I mean, this is where it gets interesting because I think Ben Gibson is a left-back option. In my head, I can't really see him as a Farker left-back option, but, you know, there we are. Allows them maybe to play three at the pack, uh, three at the back, which would then maybe allow wing-backs. And then, obviously, Anel has played there, and I think Poirheta could play as a wing-back. Um, Max Ahrens can play as a left-back. Um, then Bali could come in at right. Bali can play at left-back, which would leave Max at right. So there are options to at least cover you through to January if something is horrendous. Of course, this is off the back of the news also that Sam Byram is out until January, although I think there's a little bit of hope that it might not quite be that long, um, which would obviously be good news. So we will see. But um, yeah, Sam McCallum's at Coventry. Go watch him. I think it's a great chance for him to get some uh, get regular championship games and hopefully Norwich will be all right in the meantime. Hey, uh, uh, Jamal Lewis got kicked in the face, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, just you know, I hope, his, I hope your face is all right, Jamal. That's mainly what I want to say there. And um, oh, I had a tweet from um ben he wanted to ask um hanley and gibson or zimbo and godfrey who makes you feel safer now i don't know if he means football millie or life in general <laughs> um hanley and gibson or zimbo and godfrey um, i think the zimbo and godfrey i like zimmerman he's just big and <laughs> he's <laughs> a good tackle but uh, yeah I mean they all do but I think Godfrey again I, I really like Godfrey as a player I think he's really good I tell you what, I'm going to ask you the second one then Millie because we're not going to talk about this uh, for all their tricks and flicks do Todd and O'Neill offer enough end product compared to the admittedly raw Ida and Plajeta I think yeah he's quite um skillful isn't he Todd 
And who was Todd and who? Onel Hernandez. Onel, yeah, again, Onel's quite, he likes to step over, doesn't he? And, you know, he's, he's really quick as well, isn't he, Onel? He's put a big, big, big Ben. Onel is a bigger player, bigger man than he was last season, I'm sure. Onel, bigger man than he was last year. I think we should leave that bit there. Um, but I hope that answers your questions, Ben, um, considering we weren't going to talk about them. This podcast is brought to you by Hims. If you haven't heard of them, they're basically your best mate when it comes to those tricky men's health problems. Balding is an awkward topic for men, yet a lot of us start to lose our hair before we hit 40. And the best way to take control of hair loss is to do something about it while you still have some. Hims was created to make it easier for guys to seek care, especially guys who avoid seeing their doctor in person for awkward health conversations. Not everyone wants to have personal conversations face to face with a stranger in a white coat. So Hims connects you to real doctors online, which could save you hours. It's completely confidential and discreet. You'll get a proper consultation and they'll give you sound advice on what you can do to help your hair before it's too late. It couldn't be easier to book your free consultation. Just go to forhims.co.uk forward slash athletic. That's F-O-R hymns.co.uk forward slash athletic. On to our centrefold, if I may, um, basically wanted to talk about Stephen Naismith. Um, I had a good sit down with him for, over Zoom, obviously, during, during lockdown. It was really interesting. He was someone I really wanted to speak to. I got the impression when the piece came out that actually a lot of Norwich fans were like, I don't want to hear from Stephen Naismith, as if his reputation almost preceded him. But it was, it was, um, it was really interesting to talk to him about the, the, the fallout and, and also some of the stuff, plenty of stuff before he was at Norwich. We didn't get too stuck into things at, at Hearts, Ben. But um, were you at the club when, when Stephen was there? Yes. Yeah, I was there. I remember the um Did you speak to him? Signing. Like in, in, yeah, like, really? of course I did. Yeah, you were there for his signing? Face to face, not over Zoom. I was there. He was probably, not, um, probably nicer to you. <laughs> I really liked Nasey. I think he... You know, you said there, Michael, that maybe a lot of Norwich fans have preconceptions about the type of character he is. But from my experience, my limited experience, um, admittedly, of kind of knowing him and, and speaking to him, he, he, he comes across as a, a model professional and certainly not somebody who's, who's happy to sit around and, and take a wage and not put um, his effort in and want to play football. And I think it kept that, that came across well in your piece, Michael, the fact that at no point did he down tools. He, he was always willing to put himself forward for the cause. It just didn't really work out. It, it didn't, which he sort of <laughs> left having to say himself, really, that you know, they obviously yeah. wanted it to. And there was a really interesting line, I thought, in terms of from him, which, which was there about, um, in terms of the fact that the younger professionals were still speaking to we're still speaking to him about what they should do really about their future, whether they should sign a new contract to stay at Norwich, whether they should look elsewhere, what, what they should actually do. And considering Stephen Naismith wasn't really involved and wasn't probably going to play and, and maybe there were people at Norwich who were like, look, we can't really afford you. Can you go somewhere else, please? You know, he was still being positive about the club. This is a place you need to be. No, sign your contract. This is as great as any place you'd want, want, to, want to be and play football. So... I think that says a lot about his professionalism as a as a kind of a as a side note. I yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. And 
even like now in that interview, he's still talking um, glowingly about um, Daniel Farker and, and Stuart Weber and about the club in general. And I think that's a mark of the man, really. This just um, occurred to me as well that while he was there, him and Russell Martin were doing the coaching badges and did some coaching with some of the younger academy groups as part of that. So he was obviously having an input there as well. Yeah, I think it was a combination of obviously for him, age, he played a lot of football. So he got an injury, I think, didn't he, in, in, in Daniel Farkas' first season. And after that, he didn't play again. So a sort of combination of age, injury, different managers and a different club setup completely. Let's not forget that during the time Stephen Naismith was at Norwich, the club fundamentally changed how it worked. And by, by placing an emphasis on youth development and, you know, not paying players Premier League salaries. And unfortunately, Stephen Naismith is A, old and B, on a Premier League salary. <laughs> With with the minimal relegation clause. Yeah, it didn't really work yes. out, did it, that bit? Well, as he said himself, which I thought was probably the, the best line of the of the piece, you know, it was it was a massive transition that was going on and he was the collateral damage of it, but didn't really mind. And I suppose some people will wish he should have just ripped up his employment contract and, and so Norwich didn't have to pay it, but it's not really how the world works, is it? So uh, I don't think any of us would do that with our jobs. So um and no, exactly. He's, he's no villain. He's no villain, Stephen Naismith. Um, well, it was good to talk to me. You never quite know going in, into an interview like that whether someone's just going to go and slate everyone, and you're going to have to <laughs> going to have to put all that together. Um, so, um, which is, don't get me wrong, still make a great piece. <laughs> but we had uh, we had the uh, professional elements from uh, Stephen Naismith, and good on him. Uh, you can read that piece over at the Athletic. Right, I will be at Dean Court on uh, Friday night because uh, obviously I've already booked my train and then I'm going to be waiting a for, uh, waiting two days before the game kicks. <laughs> no, not really, but um, <laughs> the game is now kicking off at four o'clock on Sunday. Um, so I'll be there for that, um, which is exciting. I'll be there for the Athletic. So uh, make sure you keep an eye out on the app and website for all my live and considered Norwich content, our match day discussion page and plenty more besides. I don't think I'm writing a letter this week, but don't rule it out. Um, Big game, Ben. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a big-ish game, isn't it? Like, as, wow. as big as any third does game it, of the season can be. Does it get any bigger in the championship? <laughs> it's a team that oh. finished 12 points above them last season. Yeah. Ish. No, it is, it's, it's certainly one that I'm sure a lot of fans will draw many conclusions from if the result doesn't go very well. Um, it's interesting, bad, Bournemouth, they? obviously. Well, yeah, no, you're right. But, um, there's always that kind of comparison with Bournemouth because we got promoted with them in, in 2015 as well. And this season, their start has kind of mirrored ours exactly in terms of the results. And they, I know they conceded a late equaliser against Middlesbrough at the weekend. Um, they've lost a few more of their key players than we have, certainly. But, you know, their starting eleven is still very good at championship level. And um, Dominic Solanke has started well in the championship as well with a goal and an assist in Bournemouth's first two games. So, yeah, it's, um, it'll be certainly a, a really interesting match to see how it unfolds. I always think back to the game in 2015, actually, Alex Neal's first game at Dean Court, or whatever it's called now. I've, I've lost uh, no, D- Dean, Dean Court. Just Dean, Dean Court. No, no Vitality okay. Stadium here. <laughs> Um, yeah, that first game of Alex Neal's reign, which really was the, the launch pad for our um, eventual promotion that season. I always sort of think back to that match. It's a magical yeah. 90 minutes that was. They've got a new manager, yeah. of course, um, Bournemouth. And um, are you including um, Solanke's goal um, there from the weekend against Middlesbrough? Because yeah. surely that didn't go down as his goal. It was going miles wide and took a huge deflection. I don't think... Well- no well, way. I've not actually seen the goal. I've just seen on a spreadsheet that he's scored a goal. So, Classic yeah. championship, that. 
You know, yeah, I hope yeah. someone's watched it and gone, that is definitely <laughs> not your goal, mate. Um, but, but we shall see. I mean, it's going to be interesting, isn't it, Millie? Because, you know, in effect, Bournemouth were, were quite a distance better than Norwich last season, although they were also um, unable to take um, more than one point off them off, off, off us last season as well. Yeah, I was going to say, was it they drew and they, well, Norwich drew with Bournemouth and they beat them as well, didn't they? So, yeah, yeah I think it will be a good game. It will be tough, I think. Um, obviously, they both got relegated last season. So, when you've got two teams that have just come down from the Prem, it's always going to be like they should then be top of the championship. Do you know what I mean? So, I think that will be like quite a tough game 100% um, I think all three promoted teams have had the same results so far haven't they they all won on the opening weekend and they all drew um, at the weekend just gone so yes I don't know what that means yeah, I think from a Norwich perspective I think it's a pretty good haul given how the matches have gone we could have easily ended up with one point so um, have they even played well yet Ben yeah well <laughs> I, that, that's a debate for another day. Let's, this podcast has gone we'll on for long s- enough. I think we can. <laughs> we'll save that for next week. Uh, right. Um, so, as you know, and as I said, I'll be at uh, the game on Sunday. Um, but that is time on the ball. We'll be with you every step of the way this season. So make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. Uh, the podcast is available free for everyone on your usual podcast player and ad free to subscribers of The Athletic via our app. Uh, If you like what we're doing, leave a review and a rating and please spread the word of our efforts across the Norwich City world. Um, If you'd like to get in touch, ask a question or propose a topic for discussion, I've got a few of them stowed away, um, but certainly welcome to receive many more. Um, Sling me a a direct message, if you like, a DM on Twitter at Michael J. Bailey. In the meantime, a big thank you, uh, Ben. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Millie, thank you so much for coming on for the first time, your debut. Much yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. And good luck for the rest of the season with uh, Norwich City Women. Uh, we are back again next week for another edition of On the Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. Until then, never mind the danger. That was our third podcast. This is our third wit's end. Uh, welcome to the fun, um, all you lovely Twitterkers. If you're wondering what's going on, you'll need to listen to On The Ball podcast number 42, which went live on September the 8th. It's all explained in there. Um, we have one rule. You don't talk about wit's end. So there you go. That's the only rule we've got. Um, we do, however, have an email as a secret and direct line of communication in this special segment of the pod. It is Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S, at iCloud.com. And we've already had a good few emails. Uh, we'll keep them coming, please, and we will read them out. Um, so, yeah, keep doing that. Uh, so the next 10 minutes, basically, um, no script, um, no flagging up for engagement. This is just our little secret club where the themes and discussions come and go, but never, never end or conclude. Uh, and you can also use the hashtag Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S in any social media post so long as you make no comment or add any context to why you've used it. I mean, it's quite a lot of rules really, isn't it, when I think about it, but there we go. Um, That hashtag is getting good use. I saw the perfect tweet from Matt Barrett. Uh, All it said, all this tweet said was wolf from gladiators, hashtag Twitterkers. Now that's perfect. That is perfection because no one knows um, what's going on or what that's about, apart from people who would have listened to Wits End last week, which was, of course, Jim Van Wyck's trivia question, which was, "Who is his brother?" And his brother is Wolf from Gladiators. Now, Millie, um, I, are you aware of the 1990s phenomenon on TV that was Gladiators? Not really. No. Oh, no. oh dear. Yeah. Ben. <laughs> Apologies. Ben. I'm com- completely 
aware of gladiators obviously because <laughs> i'm old was wolf one of your favorites um yeah probably he was always like the angry one wasn't he he was like the one who um people love to hate basically but you know if if anybody has got any other family connections to 90s saturday night entertainment programs then that would be great like maybe um somebody went on blind date wow i mean i don't know if this is playing into our demographic but it's going to (laughs) amuse me and you for starters (laughs) i think we should definitely do that um i mean those who will remember um wolf from gladiators may have noticed jim hasn't quite got as much hair um but we love jim um Still no at Twitterkers as a handle on Twitter, although there is now a Twitterkers, which yeah. is at NCFC. We've been spoofed already. I think we have been spoofed. That, that is at NCFC, and then it's a T, and then Whitaker, as in Stephen Whitaker, yeah, which of course yeah. is all named and with an S. And we um, had this debate at the conception of this idea, and then we had it again on the first, yeah. on episode 42, about how we spell Twitterkers. And I think this just shows that maybe we did spell it wrong. I don't know. I feel like we got it right, but I'm I'm loving the creativity. Um, I don't know who who is running this, by the way. It's brilliant. It's, it's probably probably maybe it's a secret group. secret club from like another podcast yeah, that we don't we don't know anything about because we don't listen to other podcasts. No, so. I haven't got the time, mate. No. Um, but um, fifteen thirty three on Saturday, the uh, at NCFC Twitterkers uh, account uh, simply tweeted saying, uh, "Cheers, Deck, good lad." So um, there we go. I thought that was a pertinent thing to say. Um, emails to discuss. So we do like getting your emails. Um, this is one we got from Stephen Pass. Hello, Stephen. Thank you for this. He sent it to Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S at iCloud.com. Hi, Michael, Stuart and Ben. Brackets will be cool if this is actually the lineup. Well, I'm sorry it wasn't tonight. But um, you got... Um, you got two or three, right? And the joys of Millie. So there we go. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. Uh, two questions. Not suitable for the main pod, he says. Um, one, um, what did the club or myself think of the Javi Cantilla story um, by my colleague Adam Crofton last month? Um, and uh, were the club happy with it, whether it's affect my relationship or this sort of thing, which is, you know, that's a meaty question for a wit's end. So what I, all I wanted to say, because it's a good question, I want to try answer it. Um, Adam is a brilliant journalist. When you're looking um, into signings, that people have made who um, or clubs are trying to make signings but can't get them into their squad because they were having to quarantine. And then you find that someone's made a signing that hasn't quarantined and should have. That is definitely a story. So fair play to Adam for writing it. Um, I think the club probably felt they were a little bit hard done by, mainly because of the fact that I don't think the EFL really communicated with Norwich properly. So I think Norwich was still operating in a set of rules, which were basically, oh, we're testing Xavi for um, COVID and he's negative, so it's fine. And they did that about five times. Um, The Premier League guidance changed when Norwich left the Premier League, so they weren't involved in those meetings and the EFL didn't really brief them on it. (laughs) So I think there's possibly a degree of mitigation there. and I think everything was done probably in the knowledge that once the international break came around, the whole thing would be a bit of a farce anyway. And as you kind of mentioned, I think in the first question, Stephen, it wasn't particularly clear whether other clubs were getting away with it or not. But that's not really a mitigation for the fact that, you know, Norwich had, had done it. So um, I think we're all OK. Um, I'm still getting to watch games and it, it, we've all moved on. But uh, it's just one of those um, one of those things that happens, isn't it? You know? We all moved on. Javi's playing. Everyone's happy. Talking um, of um, 
Talking of COVID-19, I know one of the recurring themes is Norwich City puns. Yes. And um, I, I was kind of thinking, you know, like how can we make this topical? And I was thinking, well, are Norwich City like COVID-19 puns appropriate, first of all? I don't know. And I kind of, I kind of thought no, but then I thought, oh, well, let's just do it anyway. But then I, I, the only two I could think of were um, Omar Corona, obviously. Of, of. Yeah. And then virus, <laughs> virus or Digirafoe. But um Wow. Like, it's going to be fascinating to know if that makes the cut. And then I kind of just, I couldn't think of any more Norwich ones. Yeah. So I went for Serginio Dest and Trace. Okay. I'm, I like that one. That's, I don't know whether I should, but Dest. Are you uncomfortable with COVID-19 puns, Michael? No more than the virus itself. <laughs> um, there was a second question from Stephen Pars, although I should throw in at this point, because the other, th- the other running um, topic we've got are the most underrated Norwich City players of the last 10 years. So, Millie, if you can think of a Norwich City player that you saw that you think was criminally under, underrated. Um, but we did have a suggestion from Alex Ware, who said, Fadis um, who and he said he seemed really classy, but it never worked out. Um, great name, though. I remember with Pat, working with my whole colleague Paddy, he, he always used to put him just down as a, fo- a foe. And I was like, you, you've forgotten the Ajidja, Paddy. But, you know, <laughs> one of the many fun times we had working, working together. Um, that was a good story, that one, wasn't it? There was a, a second question from Steve. I loved working with you. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've, you know, <laughs> I'll let him answer that one. Um, a question from another question from uh, Stephen Pass. Uh, who would win in a fight between one Malky Mackay sized Paul McVeigh and five Paul McVeigh sized Malky Mackays? Difficult one. I mean, oh, I think de- the, the, definitely five Paul McVeigh sized Malky Mackays. Quite, I mean, that's volume, isn't it, Millie? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, Malky Mackay, he was. Was he quite tall? I mean, that's a while ago, isn't yeah, it? It was a while ago. Little, isn't he? He's tight, like he's quite small. Five foot three. Was that other song? Yeah. It's all about mentality, though, and Malky was a uncompromising defender. So five little Malkies. Oh yeah, well yeah, I'd pick yeah, that one. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, just steamroller you, wouldn't you? That's very true. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for your email, Stephen, to what I've got to say. Thank you so much for that. And uh, if any of you guys and girls out there want to send us emails, please do. It's your way through to this section, which is completely your own. Um, I just think that's probably about it. Although Colin Anderson got in touch on Twitter. Oh, no, he sent me a DM. Thank you for the DM, Colin. Um, most underrated players, he suggested Gary Hooper and uh, Lewis Graben. Um, mm. Michael Turner. Michael, I, I like, I mean, Michael's a good lad to talk to as well. The problem is that like, in my journalist head, I always sort of merge them with what they were like to ask questions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which isn't yeah. really very useful, really. Same with my press, of, press officer head. Yeah. How about you, Millie? Have you got any favourite Norwich players who no one else really rated? <laughs> well, he's not really not rated, but Teddy, I think he gets a lot of stick. Um, I, I really like him. I think he's really like... I don't know. Maybe it's because I play in the same position as him, and I can understand like his position. I don't know, but I think yeah, he gets a lot of stick, and I I feel a bit bad for him. But I think he's quite good. <laughs> I think I think that's a great answer. I think he's a hero. <laughs> we'll we'll miss him when he's gone. That's true. I yeah, miss him definitely. now because he's sort of a bit gone, hasn't he? We kind of need him. Yeah. <laughs> nice to see him back. Climby, that's written him off, Michael. 
He'll be back. You and know the, he will. January, I mean, February, Tessie will be in the team, won't he? When we're yes, struggling. Course, to that's all I mean. The fact is he hasn't been in the team for these two games, but it will happen. I know it will. I don't want to see him alongside Ollie Skip. Let's just make that clear. I don't think we need that at home in the championship. Um, uh, I've got to flag up John Rogers. We were talking about Norwich City puns, as I think you mentioned, didn't you, John? <laughs> didn't you, ben? Yeah, your COVID puns. I've tried to forget. I've tried to forget about them already. Um, oh, no. John, Look. John, Ro- John Rogers, friend of the pod, member of the pod, um, brought up um, the great pun for Emmy of a business, which is just too good not to constantly repeat every week. So um, we'll be asking repeatedly if anyone's got any Emmy of a business. I have. Um, I've, got, I've got. I've got a little bit of um, EOB. Oh, I love it. Well, this will probably round us off, actually, Ben, so go for it. Jos Hoiveld. Oh, yeah. D- didn't you mention him last week? Well, no, I didn't. Is this I just your plan to end every show with Jos Hoiveld? Well, uh, with, with, with complete respect to Jos Hoiveld, I'd completely forgotten that he, A, played for Norwich, and B, even existed as a human being. So like, someone reminded me of um, Jos Hoiveld the other day, and it was one of those moments where you kind of think, wow, I've not thought of that person. For Did years, he, 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 I vaguely remember him playing for Norwich at Millwall. It was a loan, wasn't it, from Southampton? Yeah, yeah. he went to Millwall, didn't he? I think after he oh, was he with us. Millwall? I think so, maybe. It's but yeah, just, if, if people get in touch with you, your Soyveld memories, your Soyveld stories, any kind of reference to your Soyveld would be great. Okay, well, I mean that's niche, but also those things we've forgotten. I think this 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 can be our room for Norwich City yes. things. We we just like did that happen really, and then we can try and remember. I mean, what 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 we'll do? We'll go away and spend a week trying to find things of, that were interesting in terms of Joss Hoyfeld. I'll try and re- recall what it was that he did while he was here, and if there was nothing, <laughs> we might just have to accept. <laughs> I think it might really be quite happen. a pa- painful experience for you, Michael, going back through. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to spend too long doing it, but I might spend a bit. Um, well, you know what? I think we're done for Wits End uh, this week. Um, thank you, Millie, so much for joining us this week. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, ben, thank you. Top work. Thanks to you both. It's been great. Um, thanks to all you guys and girls out there for listening, because if you didn't, kind of be a bit of a hollow exercise, really, recording a podcast. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us in Wits End, you know the email because I just said it a few times. Um, We'll see you next week. Have fun.